right, everybody, welcome back to Brews and Views. Took a break last week, but now we're back. I'm your host, James Grissom, and my wife, Jessica Grissom, here. Today, we're going to talk about two of my favorite things, booze and worldviews. I love Jesus, and we'll talk about what that means over time. And uh, The issue is I'm too liberal for my conservative friends and too conservative for my liberal friends, and so this podcast is all about how to try to tread something like a middle ground um, while still having standards, because some people think we don't. Um, And where do we actually fit in? Maybe you're in the same boat. So this is just a moderate's perspective on what's happening these days, and hopefully it goes without saying that they're just, you know, my personal views and Jessica's views when she answers her questions. And um, obviously, uh, we are not under sponsorship of any of these things. We're trying, uh, just yeah, don't want anybody to sue me. So, <laughs> been watching uh, Tiger King, and I know all about suing now. So, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> All right. Today we are trying Larceny Bourbon. So oh. here you go. This one's got a little bit of ice in it. This okay. one doesn't. Let's see. That's nice. That's pretty smooth. Yeah. I'm going to try it sure. neat. Try it iced here. Hmm. So usually I like, uh, if I'm sipping a bourbon, I like it neat, but this one I do actually like a little bit better cold. How about you? Yeah, it changes the flavor a bit. Yeah. I like them both, but... Yeah. Yeah. Um, This is a weeded bourbon. Most bourbons are... um, All bourbons have to be 51% corn. um, Minimum 51%. Um, So... Most of them finish with uh, another grain or a pair of grains. Barley's in there a decent bit. But most bourbons are pretty heavy on the rye. This one has zero rye. Um, So that makes it a little smoother because rye is part of what gives it that astringent taste sometimes. So Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. Um, Really kind of a... A, a budget one, anywhere between twenty and thirty bucks at the store. When depending on where you go and all that, mm-hmm. not bad at all. So, all bourbons have to be uh, charred. Uh, charred. Uh, oh Lord, let's start over. All bourbons have to be aged in charred oak barrels <laughs> for at least two years. Um. So the best bourbons uh, are aged a lot longer than that, but affordable bourbons, uh, good ones, um, are between six and ten years old most of the time. Um, if it's right at that two-year mark, it's going to be fine. It's going to be you know mixable, uh, but the good sippers, you're looking at six to ten years, um, and that's that's where this comes from. Um, so um, ever since the 1800s, you know they've been uh storing just like thousands of barrels and what they call the rick houses um and so back in the day only bonded treasury agents uh were allowed to access them they had the keys to these rick houses and nobody else did um so enter the story of john fitzgerald he was one of those agents and they're essentially security guards 
the whole bonded part means that they, you know, took a solemn oath and had all these tests or whatever, so that you, they could be tested, trusted. Um, but he had a bad habit of indulging in what he was paid to keep safe. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> and so the running joke became that a light barrel is a Fitzgerald barrel. And so one enterprising distiller said, hey, let's mix all those and claimed it was one of the best bourbons ever made. So apparently John Fitzgerald uh, just had a really good nose for great bourbon. And so Larceny Bourbon uh, is paying homage to that story. And so they are a blend of all the best, in their opinion, six to 10 year old bourbons. Um, and so it's it's small batch. Each um, each bottled batch comes from uh, 100, 200 barrels, I think. I, I can't remember the exact number, but yeah. That's cool. So lots of character. But yeah, I like it. Um, it's uh, It's got a really good caramel aftertaste on this one, actually. And that's probably because of the wheat to calm down what the rye would normally do. Um, you taste the corn better with when it's paired with wheat, I think. That's nice. So the Fitzgerald story, though, reminds me of a common trend that we see all the time. And that's that something selfish or even abuse of power pretty often leads to something great. Um, you know, the story of humanity is that um, almost everything great that we've accomplished comes from human ambition. Um, and how many truly altruistic people are there out there really at any given point in time throughout history? So we've got stuff like the black market sale of fetuses and Nazi medical experiments and the transatlantic slave trade. All of those are just unspeakably evil. But from those, we have stem cell treatments that cure cancer and an understanding of human physiology that we would have never had and the most explosive growth of a modern nation the world has ever seen. Um, but do the ends justify the means? <laughs> um, obviously, as anyone who's trying to be ethical, we would say no for most of those things. Uh, all of those things, I hope. All three of those things. Yeah. Um, but we can't repack Pandora's box. We just, it's done. It's over. But how do we deal with it? Um I mean, just, just trying to be an ethical person, much less a Christian, how do we deal with these advances that were brought on by such evil and selfishness? Um, so the rest of this is, I just want to discuss three questions and I'm putting Jessica on the spot. She has no knowledge of what I'm about to ask her. <laughs> so, number one is, um, is it wrong to use tissues from miscarriages and abortions to drive medical research? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, we've talked about this before, like my, my 
feelings on this and beliefs are even a bit more conservative than, than James is on some of these things. Um, we had a very in-depth discussion about the morning after pill the other day because I was reading a book by a woman that got raped and she was battling even taking the, the morning after pill. Um, so I have mixed, mixed thoughts and feelings on that. Um, I think that on the miscarriage side of things, there's nothing you can do at that point. And um, like even I, I had a C-section with our baby and I signed off that they could use um, the tissues and all that for research if, if needed. Um, and I'm not sure what they did. And same thing like with the umbilical cord and all that. Like I didn't want to keep it. I don't want to go through all the hassle of that. But I signed the papers that said, you know, if they wanted to use that for research, um, that's fine by me. Um, so I think I, I view that the kind of the same way. And this is just my gut feeling without doing any research, but so kind of the same way. With parental consent? With consent and kind of the same way as you would like, you know, donating your organs or something. Like I know some people get very upset by that and thinking you need to keep your whole body preserved and all that. And I, that doesn't bother me if it's, if it's consent by the adult, parental consent, obviously, if it's a child or um, yeah, a medical issue that you you can't fix. <laughs> um, obviously, on the abortion side, um, I have very strong feelings about not having abortions and all that. But I also have friends and family members that have had have chosen the abortion route and uh that's a different subject for later um but after the fact if they have already made that choice then i don't think there's anything it, it's not going to make that situation worse <laughs> i don't think um okay. if if you've already made that choice as a woman and you have decided well I don't know. Like I, I don't think that right. changes anything because you've already you've already done the damage, and I, I know that's a really quick, harsh way to put it. But you've already done the damage, so why is it going to hurt to use that for research at that point? Okay. Um, so, I mean, we haven't talked about that subject first, and I know that you know people just hearing that might get the wrong impression. Jessica is is very, very much of the opinion that um, abortion should be. Um, you know, a not an option if you can help it. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, I um, as a man don't get as big of an opinion on this, <laughs> and I understand that. Um, I understand how uh, people who are being ethical have different opinions about when life begins and so for them that's a different discussion mm -hmm. um and i personally you know myself just for me um you know think that it's it's too much of a risk too much of a gamble um that we we have no idea what um what that fetus could have grown into as an amazing human being and so i personally feel like that that's just um you know cutting something amazing short um, however, um, I do take a step back on that 
not because I don't think that um, anyone, uh, absolutely everyone can have an opinion on the matter, but I will never have to make that choice. I will never have to come close to making that choice for something that's growing inside of me as part of me. Um, that's just not anything I'll have to face. So I understand that my emotion about it is completely devoid of any real attachment from a physical layer that a woman could possibly have. Like, I, I just, I can never get close to the same sort of decision-making as someone in that position. And and I, so for me, I, I take a back seat to that um, and just approach it from a value of any life side of, um, that life could have been amazing and surely there's another way. Um, but, um, like Jessica was saying, when it comes to medical research, I think that, um, the whole notion that more people will get abortions if we say that we're going to use it for research is ludicrous. And I've heard that argument that we shouldn't use it for, for research because that will drive up abortions and I, I think that's just ludicrous yeah because you still have the right to make that choice and whether i agree that you should or not um it you still have the right as an adult to make that choice right. and it, so, yeah so my opinion there is um because abortion is legal mm -hmm. um and by the way quick side tangent there republicans are lying to you <laughs> if they wanted it to end, they would have done so already. The Supreme Court is stacked with conservative judges appointed by conservatives. The president supposedly is as pro-life as they come, and the government is stacked with Republicans to only get through the measures that they want right now. If they really wanted to end it, they would have. And that's all there is to it. So because it's still legal and it doesn't look like that's going to change, I think that it is less harmful um, to say, okay, these facilities are allowed to um, use, um, use these uh, fetuses as um, research um, is less harmful than um, some of the craziness happening with black market sales of this stuff. And if you don't know what I'm looking at, look it up. It's disturbing and sick. Um, so I, I would hope that that would curb some of those abuses because it's coming from an avenue that we're not going to close right now. And maybe it would help save other lives. So, all right. Question number two, is it wrong to use Nazi research to improve our medical practices? <laughs> well, if it is, we're doing it all the time, every day. Um, like, again, like that kind of stuff, like I wasn't, I wasn't even born when all that was happening. And I've read some stories and history and it, it's disturbing to see the extent it well I haven't even read all of it to to see the extent of everything that happened but what I did read and all that I would say it's incredibly disturbing but we have used that not only in America but all over 
the world in advanced medicine to further those uh, the research and to help people. And I think that their end goal originally was not right. But now that it's done again, it's like if you've already gotten to that point, I don't think the ends justifies the means. But if it's already happened, there's a responsibility on your side to turn it around to make some kind of good out of it if it's already happened. And I wouldn't say that you should initiate it. Um, but yeah. We shouldn't go repeating Nazi experiments. Right. But no. using their research to further our studies. Yeah. I mean, at this, at this point, I don't know. Like, again, if, if anything good comes of all that evil, yeah. maybe. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, when, from the stem cells and from the, these researches, I mean, we have things like stem cell treatments that can cure some cancers. Mm-hmm. Um, we have uh, discovered, you know, lots of things about how um, cancer and tumors and all these growths that used to be, you're, you're, you're dead, you're gone, that's it. And now you have a chance. Um, and it's only because these things happened. And again, I don't think it's a reason to repeat any of this. Um, I think that the actions undertaken to get the knowledge are evil, but the knowledge is there now. Yeah. All right. So y'all don't know this uh, because you can't see her, but my loving wife is half Hispanic. <laughs> um, so I'm going to, I'm going to drop some racial insensitivity oh, here. Dear. How do I need we, another drink then. <laughs> how do we deal with the fact that the only way America has become what it is is on the backs of slaves? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> there's not a good, easy answer to that. Yeah. Um, I mean, just looking at it from an historical perspective, mm-hmm. um, there is absolutely no way that America could have grown to the level that it did in the time span that it did had it not been for slavery. Impossible. And not just, and and I'm not trying to diminish what happened with the African-American, you know, slave trade, the, Mm -hmm. or the African slave trade, but I mean, it also happened with Mexico and the Native Americans and all it was across the board and the Chinese and any and all all the Asian cultures but I remember reading a lot with the the Chinese like even with our railroad system and all that and it I didn't realize how long some of that happened and all that until like the past 10 years and reading more and I was like oh my goodness this was this continued yeah um yeah. And still continues. And it, it, yeah, I think that's pretty terrible. Yeah. So America as it stands, um, you know, we, we've got Thomas Jefferson, a slave owner, mm-hmm. writing, all men are created free and equal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, supposedly there's some waffling in there. Supposedly he's go back and forth. Um, but he didn't free him while he was alive. Um, and you know, call it what you want, but I call a spade a spade and the civil war was over slavery. Um, we can call it states rights all we want, but the right that they were fighting to protect in those states was slavery. Um, 
but that doesn't mean that the North is completely uh, washed their hands clean because the South was the breadbasket of America, which is why they fought the war to keep the nation. If it weren't for the entire Union, um, the North could not have become as strong as it did alone. Um, so slavery made the United States what it is. Um, and I think that this notion that we have of, um, you know, of this get over it attitude is really dangerous. Um, one, yes, I completely understand. Um, this was, you know, your ancestors and maybe some of my ancestors, my ancestors were just as poor, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, okay, that's that's not fair. Not just as poor, because at least they were free. Yeah. But uh, they were poor. They didn't own slaves. But, um, you know, one of the reasons that slavery was such a bitter issue is because a white man could say, at least I'm not a slave. Mm -hmm. And that's why the South had such a hard time abandoning it. And that's why it took until the 1960s to overturn you know, some of these laws just to make, you know, white people feel better about themselves and Jim Crow. And so I think that, um, one for us to say, um, the Confederate monuments are history and stop trashing it, um, is really insensitive when the only way that those statues had a chance of being built was on the back of slaves and just acknowledging that fact and you know up in South Dakota you know they have um, they have you know the presidents of Rushmore and all this and they have I'm forgetting her name right now uh, they have this gigantic beautiful um, American, a Native American uh, princess, whatever statue, and then they've got this giant um, uh, statue of, um, oh shoot, what's his name? Um, the one that fought Custer. Um, anyway, so they're doing things about it, uh, in, you know, in different places to address insensitive, insensitivity towards other cultures. And, you know, we've got Martin Luther King and we've got Malcolm X and we've got these awesome black leader crazy horse the statue of crazy horse we've got these <laughs> we've got these awesome black leaders who have um you know changed our minds about what it means to be created equal and free um and you know we've got uh we've got some museums to them and we've got some things like that um but you know there's no there's no statue commemorating um, the West African slave who um, created the American South. Mm. And yet, you know, we were telling our, you know, our black neighbors to, to get over it and that that, you know, statue of General Lee is just our prideful history. Like, can you not understand how sensitive that is? Um, 
And so, yeah, sure, it's part of history and that doesn't mean erase it, but these are the same people who were cheering when they pulled down the statues of Saddam Hussein. And as far as some of the peoples whose grandparents lived through, parents lived through the end of Jim Crow, um, it's not that far separated for them and we're acting like it is. So just because slavery was technically ended in the 60s, uh, doesn't erase the fact that most black Americans had little to no rights until well into the 60s. Um, so it's not time to just get over it. It's time for us to be a little more understanding. So those are my three big ones right now of, you know, something evil that led to something, you know, hopefully good. Um, you know, the the research that we have in, in medicine and in stem cells and all that has gone beyond our wildest dreams. And, you know, America's getting there. Um, this whole make America great again and saying that we need to get back to anything before the 60s actually kind of disgusts me. Um, because it wasn't until then that we decided that the people who all lived here were all equal, valid, valuable members of our society. So if you're saying make America great again refers to anything before the 60s, you're saying let's go back to slave days. So America's becoming great. It's not great again. America's becoming great because you can't be great while you are purposefully diminishing the humanity of anyone. And I think, like, we've had this discussion a lot here. Like, I think um, a lot of times it's it's changing with each generation. The more you know and the, the more diverse your culture is, the more accepting you are. And we were watching a food show the other day, and some of the things on the food show, I was like, wow, that's just crazy. I would never thought that sitting here and thinking well i'm not going to go eat at this vietnamese place because i don't like vietnamese people like that's just awful to even think that but i know that happened and i think that our generation is becoming more enlightened if you will more accepting of culture as especially in the areas where just everybody's there's a a lot of people a lot of different people in the area so it's not like you're just saying oh well you know it's you're not you're not completely separated anymore and you're not just having like the chinese community and then the mexican community and the black community it's we're mingling together which is the way it should be and working together and um there's there's still a long way to go in the workplaces and in churches and all that but i think we're starting to get there yeah. and that's great. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's great. And, you know, I think in all of this, um, you know, if we want to bring it back and go Sunday school on it. <laughs> um, I really do think that all of this is really the meaning of all things work to the good. Mm -hmm. um, none of these things are good. None of these things have a shred of good to what we hit, what we did to these people. Yeah not a shred of good in those actions. But 
If we turn it around and we love our neighbor as ourselves and we love God and we try to take the results of this and better the world around us, then that is redemption. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. Any closing thoughts? No. All right, y'all. Have a good one. Keep thinking and drinking and we'll catch you next time.